Hey there, demons. It's us, you girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins, two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a more serious note and return to our discussion about endometriosis. Some things have changed in that new information has come up for us in how to proceed with managing this chronic health condition. And we thought, Dee and myself, that maybe some of these things can help you out there or someone that you know who's also dealing with something similar. So, Misty, would you (laughs) like to kick us off? (laughs) Sure. Like you said, I would love to be the anonymous face on the internet uh, poster child for endometriosis, just sending out all the information, giving you know individuals with uterus as much ammo that they can have in their back pocket for when they go and talk to a doctor. But as much ammo in their uterus as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in case anyone didn't hear that first episode, just to remind you, endometriosis is a painful disorder where tissue that normally grows inside your uterus ends up growing outside of your uterus along your internal organs. Mm -hmm. And there are four different stages, stage one, two, three, and four, which basically just rates the severity of the growth inside your body. It doesn't necessarily relate to symptoms. Mm -hmm. So an individual could have stage one endo, but have horrific symptoms. And someone with stage four might not have it as bad or just have completely different ones. And that's the joy of endometriosis is that there's no straight answers ever. Right, right. And and just to add to that, um, that is episode four, Endo Can Suck My Lady Nut. And it if can. Anyone, it surely can. And then some. And one of the things also about endometriosis is you don't need a lot of that tissue growing outside your uterus in order to just absolutely ruin your life or make things feel like your life is ending. Oh, yeah, that's exactly the whole stage one. And that just means you have some tissue that's growing. Because the fun part about endometrium, which is the tissue we're talking about, is Mm -hmm. that when it starts to grow outside of your uterus, it can start chaining to other internal organs. So it can start attaching your ovaries to your uterus, and it can go all the way up literally to your chest. You can have endometriosis tissue in your chest cavity and causing, you know, heart pains, chest pains, palpitations, like all of these issues. And it's from your goddamn uterus. Isn't that absolutely wild? It strikes me as almost like a parasite, you know, something that you would see uh, like one of those xenomorphs. (laughs) <laughs> you know, where or like, or yeah. one of the things that like pops out of someone's chest and is like, wow, that's what it feels like. <laughs> it's like endometriosis is going to take over your brain and you just become a totally different person. It's the zombie form. You know what? That probably isn't far from the truth because at the peak of endo, prior to having my surgery to remove that tissue, uh huh. if you told me that, I would have been like, it's already happening. (laughs) I am disassociating no longer myself. My brain has been reclaimed. Right. I mean, that's a, a, see, when, when people look up symptoms for endometriosis, a lot of the times it's painful periods, it's severe cramping, it's nausea, Mm -hmm. it's extra bleeding. But some of the symptoms that are actually still common that aren't talked about are things like fatigue and brain fogginess and dizziness that affect, you know, your neural chemistry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, it's just such a spectrum of the symptoms that you can have, the severity that you can have, and Mm -hmm. it is a chronic health condition. So depending on ways in which you manage it, which we will talk about a little bit later, hormonal ways in which you can deal with this. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe controlling for stress, as in my case, but I mean, others may vary. Yeah. But truly, there is literally nothing you can really do about it. Because even if you're quote unquote doing all the right things, like eating well, getting enough sleep, trying to manage your stress, 
there are some days where you're just like, I want to throw myself in a dumpster and then roll down a hill. (laughs) It really is. And, you know, it's a chronic health issue, just like, you know, fibromyalgia. You could be doing everything right and you still have it. I mean, it Mm -hmm. doesn't, there's no cure. You can burn it all off and it just grows back over time, maybe more slowly, but it'll grow back. You've been blessed (laughs) with this (laughs) stupid (laughs) health condition. On God, but I, so like what really wanted me. Uterus on God. (laughs) What really (laughs) made me want to talk about like endometriosis this week is I had a really bad episode last month where Mm -hmm. it was the first time that I had been fully couch ridden in a while. I I couldn't get up. I had gone out that morning to go to the chiropractor because my hips were hurting, which is pretty Mm -hmm. typical for my period days. And by the time I got back home, I was sweating, I was shaking, and I kind of flopped onto the couch and took a breath and I closed my eyes and my brain did the thing where when you drink too much and you're like holding onto the ground because you think you're going to fall off the world, like the room is spinning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Same feeling. And I got pretty worried about that. I was like, I'm just going to have to sit here and breathe through it and hope that this passes because I was home alone. I couldn't you can't drive in that condition. And I'm not about to order no. like a lift to my house to take me to the hospital. Right, right. You're in such pain that you literally can't focus on anything else. Yeah. And the dizziness, I mean, you can't see straight. Right. It's really a, the one-two punch of endo flare-ups. It, it is. Because then I was also just like in normal abdominal pain on top of that. Thankfully... The dizzy spell did go away, but I got worried and I Googled endometriosis dizziness. And that's when I found a list of, you know, it's called surprising symptoms. And I put air quotes around that because (laughs) surprises are usually good things. This is not one of those things. (laughs) Right. This is not a happy surprise. This is a, oh, fuck this too surprise. Yeah. The greatest surprise of disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so thankfully, if someone's out there and they think they have endo or they've been diagnosed with endo and all of a sudden you get a really scary symptom like this, just know that it is a symptom. It is your endometriosis. It will go away. Mm -hmm. It just really fucking sucks. So in this regard, it sounds like this is a new symptom on top of your pre-existing symptoms of endo that were more common in your yeah. flare-ups, so the dizziness, the sweats, those are new symptoms to you. The dizziness was. I've always had what I call hot flashes during uh-huh. my period. T- for years, honestly. It could have even oh, been when okay. I was when I was a teenager, but I was just always sweaty as a teenager, as teenagers are. But <laughs> especially it, it becomes more noticeable as you get older, you go, this doesn't I know I go through this every month, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like this is right. And mm-hmm. I I remember a couple months ago, I was feeling just absolute like dog shit. And I took my temperature and I was running a temperature. I had a fever and it was my goddamn period. Do you think it's because your body is in such survival mode and in such pain that the stress of it all caused your body to try to fight back and then resulted in that fever? It could have. That was one of the symptoms I looked and found online was quite a few women with endometriosis, or sorry, we try to use as uh, accepting language as possible when it comes to this stuff, but quite a few people with endometriosis experience fevers. Mm -hmm. And it could be, like you said, because your body is fighting itself, literally. Yeah. And which is, I mean, nuts again, because you have this tissue where there shouldn't be tissue. So that's already in one way, this kind of mini invasion of your own body. And then the total just freak out. And then, you know, like a fever in the ways of trying to really burn out the bad stuff quite literally in your own body. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to wonder what else, what other 
surprise symptoms can come up over time. I mean, we're young people. Mm-hmm. There's still many decades ahead of us of having periods, unless either you or I have a hysterectomy, right? Right. Or maybe some water that's like an ablation where... Yeah. To the, yeah, or, you know, a treatment like that, so not having that f- complete removal. Mm-hmm. What other symptoms can come up? What's What else is out there as you and I get older <laughs> and our hormone levels change with aging? So one of the other symptoms I saw that I related to, and I'm relating to as I get older more and more, is mm-hmm. fatigue. And okay. A lot of people think the word fatigue and go, okay, you're just tired. No. No, this is a whole different level of exhausted. Your mm-hmm. your body just, the best way I can describe it, shuts down you're so tired. You can't make it up your stairs. You can barely make it from your bed to, you know, anywhere else. God forbid you have to go to work on one of these days. And yeah. it's very much in line with a whole other disease, which is chronic fatigue disease. Like, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And it happens in a number of, of women. And the problem with that is that it's just seen as lazy. You're just lazy. You're tired. You just need to sleep more. And... You know, time and time again, doctors just don't listen. They hear a symptom and they refuse to look for the reason. It pisses me off to no end how there's this almost innate expectation of someone with a uterus Mm -hmm. that these amounts of pain are normal and should not have any medical intervention in the sense of let's say painkillers right i've read horror stories about let's say iud insertions like mine went really smoothly thank goodness and in general like for whatever reason my body accepted it very well which i'm grateful so it was very minimally uncomfortable to me Mm -hmm. and that was with a tylenol just you know per physician's instructions but i read of so many cases in which People were having it inserted for the first time or, you know, reinserted. And they're expressing to this physician, I'm in pain, you're hurting me, and are dismissed to their face. Or, you know, just like you and I were told by doctors before our endosurgeries, oh, well, it's just a really bad period. Yeah, I learned... I learned, what was it, last month? Last month, I am now 29 years of age. Mm-hmm. That there are some gynecologists that use topical anesthesia when they insert IUDs. See? Or like a smaller speculum. You can I'm, have that available to you. I just, I, I remember my IUD placement and I had Paragard and I warned everyone to stay the fuck away from it. It was the worst experience of my life. And past that, it was probably one of the most painful years of my life. Paragard, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be able to keep in for almost 10 years, you know, if your body adapts to it well. And Within a year and a half, I had an emergency, like, emergently, what do I want to say here? I had it removed (laughs) urgently. (laughs) It was the the devil, and that's all y'all need to know. It was. And this is is one of the reasons why I will always stand by Planned Parenthood is because that was who got me in next day. Yeah, I mean, that uh, institutions like Planned Parenthood are important. Important for numerous reasons, not only for services rendered, but for education and providing much needed medical resources, connecting people to other Mm -hmm. providers. I mean, it's a whole support network in many ways. So we implore you (laughs) to to also, you know, see on the importance of places like Planned Parenthood and what they do. Right, because I think I feel people ignore their name. Right, they only think abortions, and that's it. (laughs) Right. The whole fucking, like, system is in place to help you plan a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And if a pregnancy is happening that is outside of that plan, then they are there to help. That's it. And uh, that's a whole other topic. Right, even if you want to keep the the pregnancy and, you know, follow through with that, 
they're also there to support that as well. Right, exactly. They're there for, especially with endometriosis patients where, you know, we can be higher risk for pregnancies. You need to make sure that your levels are steady. Like you have to make sure that your body can handle the growth. Because if you are stage four, just imagine for a second that you now have all of this extra tissue holding Mm -hmm. your internal organs together. I don't know if any, how many uneducated people there are that have not looked at a diagram of a pregnant individual. All of your organs move. They shift. They make space. And if they are tied together, they can't. They can't do it as adequately as someone who doesn't have that tissue. What I love most, especially about this country, (laughs) and I know it happens in other places, but I can only Mm -hmm. speak for the U.S., is individuals who do not have the same plumbing, as it were, Uh making laws about our plumbing, (sighs) and... Coming up with statements like, well, you could stop your period anytime you want. Your body oh, yeah. can, sh- can shut down that rape. If you wanted to, you could sh- stop yourself from getting pregnant when you're raped. You can pee out that period blood. Oh, my God. Giving birth doesn't hurt. It's like pooping. <laughs> and... I I mean, I can go on, like, give me a mic and, you know, give me the floor and I'll be here for a while. But (laughs) you know what I mean, (laughs) where I'm trying to go with this? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think, I think the the worst part is people don't understand just how far down implications are going to happen. Yes. About something. And I feel like that could be. This whole topic could be a, a, an extra episode. And so, but just that is the way I want people to think about it is there are people who need extra help in planning their pregnancies mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. End of discussion. Um, but speaking of pooping, to bring it back to the original topic, that's yeah, another please. issue that people with endometriosis can have is gastrointestinal gastrointestinal issues and when you say gi issues do you mean that they're backed up or that it just moves things much more quickly along i i feel like it could be either one honestly Mm -hmm. for me and we're gonna get a little gross so audience if you don't like it then Eh, human body stuff i'm sorry tough tittles but Tuffy at ease. <laughs> I've always had what I consider period poops. Yes. Thank okay. you. Finally, party of two. <laughs> it is. <laughs> they are, they're not normal poops, you know, and they can either tear through your body very quickly or sit there for a minute and you're just crying on the toilet before it finally <laughs> releases yeah. itself. But you know, that again, depending on where your scar tissue is, your intestines can be tying themselves together because of extra scar tissue. And so they yes. can't work the same way. So yeah, sometimes it might be you get backed up and then other times it could be you have, you know, a loose stool, I guess would be the scientific way to say it during your period. Yes, yes. Um. <laughs> Fun fact, before I forget, those those period sure. poops actually serve a purpose. It's because during your period, your body is contracting. It's, yes. It is actively contracting to expel your uterine lining. And that's why you poop more is because your body's contracting. And guess what else is down there? Your bowels. So everything is contracting constantly for upwards of seven days. Or longer for some of you. God bless. I'm sorry. It's absolutely amazing to me how we tend to think of body parts in a vacuum as existing within a vacuum rather than the interplay. And especially if you have endometriosis and depending on the location and how much tissue, Mm -hmm. like it could turn all your organs literally inside out and just cause so much havoc and chaos. Yes, honestly. 
Yeah. And, you know, my condition uh, in that regard of period poops is very similar to yours, where it just becomes a trapdoor of <laughs> solid treasure. It's not liquid treasure, thank God, but <laughs> literally because things contract so much yeah. and it just becomes so painful. And I don't know about you, but there's also stress poops. So oh God, yeah. because I'm already feeling so stressed about what is going on in my body, mm-hmm. and then in addition to this pain, it's like twice the stress. It's already like freaking me out, freaking my body out. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how much more <laughs> BMs occur. <laughs> and, you know, following episodes of immense pain, I'm just so exhausted. Yeah. And very similar to you, your recent uh, kind of symptom development, I too have also started sweating like the Dickens. Like, <laughs> I, honest to goodness, I, <laughs> in some ways, I'm like, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? But by the end of the day, the body is a mess. Yeah. I mean, you, you really do need to sit and think because coming from someone who also has anxiety issues. Yeah, yeah. I have always had GI problems. I have literally had GI problems since I was eight years old. I had to go to the doctor because I was compacted. Yeah. And it was getting to the point where I hadn't pooped in like a week. (gasps) It was... No. So I've had GI issues since childhood. And I've managed to at least become somewhat better with them as I get older. Mm -hmm. But I have anxiety, and so I still have ish times where I won't poop for a couple days because I'm so anxious, and it's almost like a blessing and a curse then to have my period because I'm like, okay, well, something's going to come out eventually now. Cause <laughs> <laughs> the train's exiting the tunnel, yeah. Exactly. I can't stop this. I mean, I, again, interplay. When we think of wellness, it's not just the physical aspect of wellness, but the mental emotional aspect where when you're clogged up upstairs (laughs) it shuts the rest of your body down your body goes into a survival mode Mm -hmm. so just like when you think of fight flight freeze your body temporarily suspends certain processes in your body such as digestion in order to give you that burst of energy needed, you know, either to escape the situation or fight back in the situation. So think of endo flare-ups the same way, those that can relate to this or perhaps know someone that can. Yeah, we every time we talk about health, we bring up that holistic approach because that's the only way that you can handle it. It's mm-hmm. everything connects to each other. And so a- another... Like another side effect too of endometriosis is infl- in inflammation, and that agitates everything even more. And nice. I talked to my therapist two weeks ago, I think, about my endometriosis and how you know I was having a really rough time. I guess it was three weeks ago then now because it was my last period. Mm-hmm. So I guess just having a really rough time. I had a really rough week. I'm exhausted. Kind of explaining some of my symptoms. And she just went, I, how do you do it? Like, how do you keep going? (laughs) Fuck if I know, I just do. (laughs) She's like, you know, when you're in that much pain for that long, though, people get like, that's depressing. People don't want to be in pain. And I just remember looking at her going, well, no, I don't want to be in pain, but there's no other option. Right, right. Or at least that's. That's what I thought. Like you said, we'll get to that later. Now, I hope I found an yeah. option. But it's it's not all one thing. And I think a lot of... We're finally starting to get some studies and books about endometriosis out there that look at it holistically. Because the ones that I have found that were released in the last 15 years or so, they all focus on diet. That everything goes away if you just eat a low inflammation diet. So no gluten, no sugar, no fatty acids or carbs or whatever. And I was like, then what the fuck am I supposed to eat? Water? I think so. (laughs) And like a blade of grass on occasion, you know, if you really want to treat yourself. But I would argue that. Yeah, just, just a little, you know. But it's like you're saying, 
it's while the diet is so important and let's say for those who have minimal to no health concerns that's kind of a bigger concern in mm-hmm. that you're focused on eating well because there there is so much that is just controlled by what you eat and oh, yeah. especially in the cell renewal process and things like that as Dee so beautifully explained in past episodes so please check those out but for those who are so fortunate and hashtag blessed with endometriosis, PCOS, <laughs> both. If you're a true, if you're a true superstar, only real fans have both. Right, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and diet certainly, while it's important, it just gets, shall I say, a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Not all of your problems are going to magically go away because you don't eat sugar anymore. Oh, right. quite a few of them might, or yeah, it still become more sure. manageable, but they're not going to disappear. No, no, not completely. And I would argue if you also have comorbid conditions, like let's say anxiety, as you and I both do, mm-hmm. that also throws just like a fun little factor in the mix of... It's a witch's brew that's really unstable, okay? <laughs> There's that's not my enough point. eye of newt. No. <laughs> Too much belladonna and not enough eye of newt. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, because, like I've said, you know, when you're having these symptoms, and if they're new symptoms, like the dizziness was, that then triggers an anxiety attack because it's like... yes. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Am I dying now? Is this it? Is this the end? I mean, yeah, I expected to go before 50, but like, is this really it? (laughs) One can (laughs) philosophically argue that you are dying each and every day. You're closer to that point of no return. (laughs) Technically, yes. Every day is another step closer to eternal darkness, but... (laughs) (laughs) To the void, yes. Into the void. Of eternal slumber. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's... It, it it's such a fun mix of horse shit and <laughs> let me tell you though it is beyond heartening to find a doctor who gets it right male or female but especially if you have a female doctor who's dismisses a, of these things it it can almost put you off from trying to seek any support at all Right? Like, you're not even... You're against your own team? Right. Girl, what the fuck? Yeah, you're not Switzerland in this (laughs) situation. (laughs) I needed you. (laughs) Sad. But no, I... I was telling S before we got on, on call that I had a gynecologist appointment this morning. So, serendipitous timing here. That... You know, it was a, it was the first time meeting her, and I was a little nervous because I always am at gynecologists because you just you never know, you never no, know and if it's going to be someone who listens or someone who completely ignores it. Right, and even if you have a condition like ours or you do not, I would say anyone who goes to the gynecologist, even if you have a great one, it's not fun. I don't like going there. <laughs> yeah, no one. <laughs> Except no one ever, like, I love this, you know, annual visit or whatever it is. Right? Like, I don't know, stirrups might do it for some people, but not for me. I just get real anxious and awkward, and I don't want to be there any longer than I have to. If, if Listen, if you're going there just to enjoy that, I, I would say, first of all, calm down. And secondly, don't go. I would kick you out of my office immediately. I feel like people who think women enjoy gynecology visits are the same ones that think that we get off by using tampons i'm like probably (laughs) (laughs) oh excuse me (laughs) you you think what now yeah or like the speculum the tampon like any of those kinds of things like no (laughs) they probably think we also have a good time like when we eat a hot dog or like a popsicle Okay. Right? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not telling you you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I dare you. But, okay, so it's, I met, I meet my new gynecologist this morning, and immediately 
she's a good one. She's a good egg. She listens to my questions because she asks, okay, so you've been diagnosed. And I was like, yes. And she said, is that why you had laparoscopic surgery? And I was like, well, I was diagnosed before surgery, but then we had surgery one to a hundred percent confirm it because sometimes you need those, especially with insurance. And Mm -hmm. two, because I was in so much pain. And so we talked about it a bit and I was like, at this point, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, Mm -hmm. excuse me, I'm struggling still every month. I'm not blacking out from pain anymore, which I'm grateful for. But at this point, I'm exhausted. I can't think straight. Like I have days where I can't get up without wanting to fall over. I was like, I, so I'm just, you know, I'm wondering what I can do. And she, she says, well, you're on the pill, right? I said, yes. And she says, well, why don't you just stop taking the placebos? Like just take, you know, your dosage for the month. And when that's done, pick up the next month and start again. And I went, you, you can do that. Right. <laughs> and I, so, I didn't know either. Right. And so this is what frustrates the hell out of me about the lack of knowledge and education in America for reproductive systems. But how And particularly works, managing endo or PCOS. Right. How, how the pill works, the birth control pill works, is that it, as she described to me, I am quoting the doctor here, that it puts your ovaries to sleep. Because it's giving you not only progesterone, but also estrogen. And it's the estrogen you need that your body then thinks we're already pregnant, basically. So you are not, (laughs) when you miss a month, like when you are purposefully skipping a period, you're not building up to have a massive period two months later. Because Mm -hmm. your body, like there's no egg, and so it doesn't start building a nest. Right, the lining of the uterus is not as thick, so to speak. Right, it doesn't start building up. It doesn't start pre- preparing for a baby. It There's no egg, so there's no need. And you just, you have the hormones there to keep your ovaries from releasing eggs, basically. So when mm-hmm. you take your placebos, your body crashes because now it no longer has estrogen. Mm-hmm. And that's why you bleed. And so when someone, you know, like me and like S and like so many of my friends, honestly, have endometriosis and we're struggling, the answer could just be don't have a period. And I just, I I never thought like that could be an option is to just not have it. But we live in a world where we have advanced at least medically to where I don't need to have a period every month or every few months, honestly. Right. You can say, be gone, foul demon, and close <laughs> the floodgates. <laughs> yes, you, you absolutely can. I mean, and, and for the listener that is like, why are they making jokes? Honestly, with these kinds of things, with chronic health conditions, you need to have a sense of humor. Otherwise, you would be depressed all the time. If if there is honestly someone who's listening to this and doesn't understand why we're joking, consider yourself so beyond lucky. Because <laughs> you clearly do not have any kind of lifetime issue, a, a lifetime illness, a recurring illness. Like, you must be a perfectly healthy individual. And I am so happy for you, but do not piss in my Cheerios. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is like you said, there are some things you just have to have humor with and you Mm -hmm. have to say lightly. So when I was talking to my therapist about this stuff and she just got really serious, I went, no, no, no. That's not how we deal with that in this house. We don't treat this that seriously, because if we do, we cry. Right. And as people with endo, we can totally joke about endo. It's the people that don't have it and or, you know, don't understand that could sit down and shut up. Right. So And not also crack those jokes, because you are not privy to that. 
Thank <laughs> you very much. You you are not in a very exclusive club. Exclusive meaning thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but okay. Right, right. <laughs> but so that's what I am going to now do. This will be this is gonna be my first month that I am going to attempt to skip a period since high school. I did it once in high school where I think mm-hmm. we had like a, a trip coming up where we were going to be swimming a lot. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to worry about tampons. I'm just going to skip it this one month. And it worked. So my, my doctor said that you're still probably going to have some spotting the first couple of months while your body adjusts. But after a while, you know, you should at least the symptoms shouldn't be happening as much. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Because like, even with, let's say an IUD regularly, you could still have some spotting as your body is adjusting, if you have a surgery, things like that. Right. And the funny thing about IUDs that I didn't know is that most of them only work with progesterone. Progesterone. I don't know how to pronounce words very well. That sounds like a class of Transformers, the progesterone. (laughs) (laughs) But so your IUD, if they're only working on that, they're not working on estrogen. Estrogen is the whole point. That is what you need to keep Mm -hmm. your, your ovaries from releasing eggs. And so you still release eggs when you have an IUD. The only, the other option the doctor told me was the NuvaRing, which is a monthly birth control option where it's a little ring and you insert it and you leave it in for a month and then typically people take it out like it's three weeks you take it out leave it out for a week and then you put the new one in but again just like pill packs you can skip that week and just put the next one in like it's not going to hurt your body i would not want to return to my doctor's office on a monthly basis (laughs) politely i'm just gonna have to decline Especially because I will admit, when she said that, I was like, you're acting like this is a diva cup. This is very more. <laughs> this goes way further. <laughs> like, right, I right. I don't just stick a ring of plastic in my hoo-ha and hope it doesn't fall out for three weeks. Like, that's <laughs> Right. It goes much higher than that. And like, even with those uh, period cups, those things can end so bad. <laughs> Not everyone's body is made to hold one of those things. Right. Like you said about the speculums, I've heard that they come in different sizes. I Yes, they do. If you've given birth or not. Right. And And how high your your cervix. No. 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 (laughs) Something like depending on if you've given birth or not, it might affect your anatomy. I think... For how it's positioned, so... And I forget which part I should know. But I don't have a period no more, so I don't need to remember these things. Right, and I'm not going to have kids, so I don't care. Right, there you go. But yeah, there's there's different sizes. I have yet to try Diva Cups because they make me nervous. Why? I don't know, but they make me nervous. There's the fear... Of it getting stuck or suctioned in a little too high Mm. because you have to create a seal in which it captures all the blood, right? Yes. I I read online that when you put the Diva Cup in, you you bend it, right? So that it actually fits inside. And then you let it fold out. And then you have to run your finger around the edge to make a seal. To seal it, yeah. And you don't have to run the finger, if you open it up slowly, depending on how you fold it and then insert, it should be fine. And then you can test it a little bit. But when you break the seal, because you can keep it in there while you pee. Right. Before <laughs> any uninformed people start saying, well, don't you <laughs> pee and have period blood out the same hole? No, you don't. Yeah, I was going to say your vagina and your bladder are two different systems that yes. require two different holes. Okay. Surprise. <laughs> surprise. Happy birthday. Yeah, no. And that's a good surprise. <laughs> Women have, it's called the u- urethra. And mm-hmm. then you have the vagina. And those Ta-da. are two different holes. Please. <laughs> thank you. Continue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and I've tried it before I got 
an IUD and that thing held up so well. Huh. Like once it's in there, you don't even know it's in there. And there's no leakage. Like if you do it correctly, of course, there's Mm -hmm. no leakage. But there was like that anxiety of, is this going to get stuck? Yeah. See, I feel like my anxiety is from that second half of taking it out. It's not so bad, really. It's it's not that bad because you're still gonna have to kind of go in there anyway. And but once you pop that seal, it's all good. You don't just like go ahead and yank on it because that <laughs> would be p- trouble. But right, because my brain just thinks it's a cup full of our blood that has been sitting there for a day. Oh 10 my hours, god! Up to ten hours, eight to ten, depending on how. Heavily you bleed, yes. A business day. Okay. It's been in there a business (laughs) day. A work day. (laughs) Yes. And so my brain just goes, you're going to take that out and it's going to spill everywhere. I'm like, it's not though. It's not. It's like, are you sure? You sure about that? I'm not sure about that. Thank you. (laughs) All things to consider. Absolutely. I love how your fear is that it gets stuck and my fear is making a mess. <laughs> you know, it's a spectrum. <laughs> and each is valid. <laughs> Both irrational fears are valid. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Your neuroses are valid. Uh, I was I was going to bring up or go back to uh, using food, though, to also help manage your endometriosis because some people's main symptoms are inflammation. Mm-hmm. A- and that, the best way to deal with inflammation is your diet. And I did Google, you know, things that you can eat to help endometriosis. And they actually, they're pretty good stuff. Like I, I brought, bought some stuff and cooked them and I was pretty happy with it and I felt pretty good after it. It could mm-hmm. have been that it was like actual fresh fruits and veggies for the first time and I don't want to say how long, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nourishing the body unreal. What? Uh, but some of the big proponents that was stated were things like avocados and sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so I bought avocados and made guacamole and... It was delicious. And I think another thing that people don't realize when it comes to putting food into our bodies is that there's this really weird, it has to be raw to be healthy stigma. I'm like, salsa is still tomatoes. You know, guacamole is still avocados. Like, you That's the whole point of getting all of the vitamins and nutrients that you need is you combine the food. Right, and it all depends on how you prepare it. You can still steam things and retain the vital nutrients. Yeah. So for example, you, yeah. You don't have to have a salad. Like, that's not your only option here. If you want to get fresh fruits and vegetables in your system, then like S said, steam them. Make a stew. You know? Make, yeah. Make dips. Make whatever i mean you're still gonna get the stuff and it's gonna right. be just Smoothies, as good juicing like you can have it in liquid solid and not gas form but if, <laughs> if you do know a way let me know because i'm curious <laughs> just huff the steam of your freshly cooked carrots oh my gosh it's like the next epidemic of whippets <laughs> oh my God, no vegetable steam <laughs> getting stoned off your broccoli oh my god i think that's most of the points i wanted to make is there anything that you wanted to touch base back on or bring around or something we haven't talked about yet i mean i'm sure we're gonna revisit this topic again at some point because Mm. as we age things continue to change and surprising things crop up both good and bad surprises yeah so, I mean, we're, dear listeners, we are just giving you the newest information that we found out, giving you updates on what's kind of changed the same, uh, changed the same, 
oxymorons. <laughs> it's been a long day. Y'all know. You know, what things have changed? What have re- has remained the same? And, I mean, who knows what's coming up in the next couple months, years? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, there's there's already blood testing that we can start to do to help determine PCOS now. It doesn't... Mm-hmm. There's no test still that says you have PCOS, but there are testing uh, tests you can run that cancel out everything else. You know, you Excellent. work, you work from the whole backwards. Like, okay, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. The only reason this test would read this way then is because of PCOS, and so there are mm-hmm. options. And I just want people to be educated and know that when you're in that doctor's office and you are concerned you can say something it's your right to say something and if the doctor says something that you don't agree with it's your right to tell them i don't agree with that i don't like the way that you have said that or i don't like the way that you're treating this you know concern that i have I want another doctor or I am, you can stop your doctor's like visit early. You can walk out. Right. Yeah. At no point are they holding you hostage. Truly. That's supposed to be a collaborative partnership mm-hmm. with respect and mutual decision-making and our third cohort arrived so <laughs> late today. <laughs> so late, but it's fine. She's cute. It's fine, yeah. She gave her input. She made an appearance. But, (laughs) you know, and it's not the end-all, be-all. And, like, by all means, go out and seek a second, third, fourth, even fifth opinion if you want to. And you probably should, especially if it requires surgery, if that's on the table. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I hope that in the next few years we can have another episode discussing this and have updates on the topic i hope that we can get a better you know understanding of endometriosis and maybe a better way of managing it or i i really want to know what happens and this could just be like this this could already be answered i just have to google it what -hmm. happens if you just remove the ovaries i mean there's still hormonal things that can occur right um, but your body, of course, will go into a funk. Right. I know that you can, like, when you go to, when you have a hysterectomy, you basically mm-hmm. create early menopause. And so I'm just wondering, yes. instead of, because the earlier you have a hysterectomy, the higher, excuse me, the chance of negative effects. Because yeah, yeah. when you have a hysterectomy, boys and girls and everyone else, all of that internal system gets removed. Mm-hmm. And guess what sits on top of that system? Your organs. So now you have a mesh bag that's implanted into your body to hold up your internal organs. That is not a long-term solution. No. <laughs> so for people who even have stage four endometriosis, I really, really hope that there is something else that comes through for us that that's not our only option anymore, you know? Right. Because I mean, it's like, like you're saying, the earlier you get something like a hysterectomy done, the more at risk you are for things like osteoporosis and, you know, particularly for women. There's just so much more that can occur if you've given birth, if you haven't, if you have these pre-existing conditions and add hormones in the mix. And it just makes for a really unknown outcome. Like, truly, you cannot predict it all the time. And I'm excited that we have things like tests with biomarkers Mm -hmm. to look at risk and, you know, treatment and rule things in and out. But... You know, this is still a person at the end of the day, and you want to have a good and viable life, right? Yeah. <laughs> and a good quality of life. Yeah. And I think maybe part of it could be that we just acknowledge that periods are not a week. No, no. It is not 
a seven day, okay, I'm done. It is the week before you have issues, the week of you have Mm -hmm. issues, and the week after you have issues. Yep. And we cannot keep revolving our society around a man's hormonal system of 24 hours. We can't. It's, you're cutting out so much of your population. We we can't function like that, you know? And it could just be where we accept the fact that there are days we cannot function because at that point in our cycle would be the time that you're sleeping. But we have three days of it. That's the comparison here. Right. Yeah, it's... uh, I I vote for anarchy. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) Anarchy! Burn it to the ground! (laughs) Absolutely. I'm outside already. Getting ready to (laughs) just throw a fit. (laughs) Oh my god. Besides anarchy, I think that touches on everything that we wanted to, to speak about. So, like I said, final, say it now, I'll forever hold your peace. No, I just vote anarchy and that's it. (laughs) If there's one takeaway y'all have, it's anarchy. (laughs) Well then, on that note, thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are awesome and cool and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone.